All right, come on, let's just, can you help me give the worship team a big thank you? So uh, Mary, who was leading out here, has really kind of been filling in for us for a while. And as uh, maybe some of you, I'm sure you know that uh, we had Mark here as our worship director for about six years, did a phenomenal job, heart for Jesus, like just amazing. And so um, he moved to Arkansas with his family, really sad about that, but we know God has a plan. So I would ask you to please pray for us in our search for the next person, whoever that might be. And uh, we just believe where prayer is, and we fast, and we trust God. God's going to take care of it. So music's a huge part of us following Jesus and connecting with God. Would you agree? So this is a really, really important uh, ministry. And just please join with us in prayer. We know God's going to take care of all of it. So good to be with you this morning. There's a message God put on my heart out of the Gospel of Luke. We're in Luke 12. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke 12... We're smack dab in the middle of a place called Choosing Sides. That's the name of the series. And I'm so glad that God gave us choice. I'm glad that God gave us free will. I'm I'm glad that God allowed us to choose, will you follow me or will you follow the world? God could have made us, you know, when he created us with kind of a wind-up toy that basically says we will follow God, but he wanted us to follow from the heart. Those of you that are parents or grandparents, um, those of you that are waiting to be parents, just hang on. It's a wonderful thing, but you know when when you come home from work or come home from school or something and your son or daughter, they run and say, mommy, 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 daddy, and they grab onto your ankles and they just love you. There's nothing like that when they choose to do that. Now, there are some days you have to say, come on, give mommy a big hug, give daddy a big hug, and you pull them in. And that's still good, but there's nothing like it when they just do it from the heart. And I want you so much to just join with what I believe the Holy Spirit is doing in the church today. We are anticipating, we are in preparation for seeing the Lord come back. Today, the subject matter that Jesus teaches, it's so profound, it's so simple, yet it's so important. I want you today, when you leave this place, to be more prepared for the second coming of Jesus, which by the way, it is fact, he is returning. It's a certain thing, it's fact. We know from the Bible, we know that Jesus never broke a promise. And he never will break a promise, so we know he's returning. The question is when and how do we prepare? When I was in elementary school, I remember having thoughts like, gosh, I just can't wait. I can't wait to be a teenager. I can't wait to get into, you know, teen stuff. And and then when I became a teenager, I said, Lord, I can't wait. Didn't know the Lord. Got a little ahead of myself there. I wasn't Christian then. But I just can't wait to get my driver's license. The day I am turning 16 years old, I am at the DMV, baby. I am going to get my license, and I want to get my first car. That was the next thing. Can't wait. Can't wait to buy my first car. My father did something really uh, foundational. He said, uh, you save what you save, and I'll match whatever you save, and I'll pay half your first car. And I'm glad he did that rather than just giving me something. But that was a big milestone. I was wanting and anticipating that car. Then after I was uh, about 16, 17, and got the dream car that I wanted, I saved and saved and saved, got a black Mustang, loved the car. It was awesome. Reality is it just kind of wore off the newness, kind of wore off the car. And then I couldn't wait to get to college, you know, be on my own, live on my own, have my own life. And then I got ambushed by the love of Jesus Christ. Had no idea this was going to happen to me. I was just feeling kind of empty. My sister made me go to a Christian concert down in San Juan Capistrano because she said, you can date my friend if you go. So I said, okay, I'll go. That was the only reason I went. Had no idea I was going to meet Jesus that night. When I met Jesus Christ... 
face to face, I mean spiritually, when I surrendered my heart to him, it was a very real thing. I got up from that moment, praying to receive Christ, went back to the uh, back of the auditorium. I could, there was already a change that was starting in me. I mean, it was instantaneous. And those of you that have accepted Christ into your life, you know of what I speak. You know that when you've given your heart to Jesus, he starts to change. And I was thinking about Jesus every day. All day, man, was like the first six months after I met Jesus, man, I was on a high for Jesus Christ. I didn't want to smoke marijuana anymore, didn't want to do drugs, I didn't want to do alcohol, because nothing compared to Jesus Christ, nothing compared to God. And he had so filled my life and changed my life, my whole focus changed. But during those days, I remember thinking, I was walking down the, the, the hallways at Capitol High School thinking, man, I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to see you, Jesus, face to face. We'd gather together on youth nights on Wednesday nights, and some of us who just got saved, we kind of huddled together after. Man, isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't he great? He's changed our lives. Can't wait to see him. Can't wait for that real place called heaven. It's real. Jesus over and over and over again through the Gospels talks about he has prepared a place for us. But then I'll be honest with you, after about six months of following Jesus and kind of, there's this just kind of a cooling off thing, and the excitement kind of wears off. He never wears off, but my excitement just kind of wore off a little bit and I had to think about heaven. I had to force myself to prepare Jesus today addresses his disciples and wants them without the shadow of a doubt to prepare, prepare for heaven. I want you to prepare for the second. I want our church. I want our community of believers. If you are part of MVCC, I want so much for you to be ready for the second coming of Jesus. And by the way, if you're here today or you're watching online and say, you know what, Mike, I got a lot of questions. I don't believe in this book. I'm not even sure if there's a God or God let me down. Oh, I went to church, got burned by a pastor, got burned by a church. I am so glad that you're still connecting here because I believe God is greater than all that stuff. I believe God can overcome anything. And I would just ask one thing. Stay with it. Ask your questions. Dig. Even in the struggle, it's a good thing because there is truth. There is a lie. And it's not like we have the truth. Here's the way I've looked at it. God is truth and we're all wrong. That way it takes away from I'm right and you're wrong. There's no one who's right. Only God is right. Right? Only God is truth. There are absolutes. I'm so glad for that. I was thinking about preparation. When I played tennis every day, as much as I possibly could from the age 10 years old, my dad put a racket in my hand. I just got this like addiction to tennis. And the more I played, the more I played, the more I played, I wanted to play professional tennis. And as I was playing tournaments on the weekends, I remember you don't just roll in on the tennis court and start playing. There's a preparation that happens. Those of you that have played sports, you know there's a preparation. There's practice. There's private lessons. There's the correct shoes. There's running. There's training. There's weightlifting. It's having your strings at the right tension. It's making sure that you have plotted out. Back in the day there when there was not GPS and you had to actually open a Thomas guide and look for the directions of where you're going in Pasadena to play this tournament. There's a preparation that happens. You don't just roll in. And I think sometimes we as believers, and the reason that I believe Jesus is addressing this is he wanted the church to be ready. I want you to be so ready for the second coming that nothing in this world even matters or compares to how much Jesus Christ loves you, died for you, rose again, and he promised he's coming back and he wants you to be prepared for that. Amen? If you have questions, 
I'm not sure about the second coming thing. You Christians have been talking about that for centuries. I'm not really sure. Sounds like a fairy tale to me. Are you kidding me? Jesus coming out of the sky? Come on, really? How's the whole world going to see Jesus coming back? I got it. But I don't know. I don't know how big he's going to be. I don't know how the, the sky is going to peel away. I don't know how many tens of thousands or millions of angels with trumpets. But the Bible talks about that, and I trust him. He's got it all worked out. I don't need to know everything anyway. I don't need to know everything. As long as I have faith in him and trust the word, I know it's all going to work. So if you have some questions, you're good company. Because the 12 disciples who followed Jesus, now in this scene, in 11 of them, because Judas uh, took his own life, unfortunately, 11 of them still have questions. And I, want just, I just want us to take a prepared precursor look at Acts chapter uh, 1. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. I'm just going to read this, share with what I think was going on to prepare for what I want to read in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 35. So when the apostles, there were 11, were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? It's not a bad thing. Jesus, come on. When's the time going to happen? You've been talking about restoring the kingdom of Israel. Come on, Lord. When are you going to do that? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my storytellers. You will be my examples. You will be my living, breathing, active, storytelling people of how good I am to all people. Telling people about me everywhere, not only in Jerusalem, but throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up. Can you imagine standing there with Jesus, and all of a sudden, he starts, he starts to float up, and you're looking at the bottom of his sandals now. He's literally in the air. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud. While they were watching, they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two angels suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here and staring here into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return. This is the key part of this. He will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now, I think they were thinking, cool, he's coming back next week. I really do. I think that he was, what, maybe, maybe a month tops. And they live their lives in preparation. Fact, Jesus will return without a doubt. Jesus will bring all power and Jesus will have all dominion on earth. Isn't that going to be great? You are not going to ever have to be a part of Republican, Democrat, or Independent. You won't ever have to think about that. There's not going to be any more mortgage payments. You won't have to watch the stock market. Isn't that going to be great? Jesus is going to return and have full dominion over earth. It's his kingdom. This is his show. I'm just along for the ride. We are along with him to say, I'm with him. I remember going to a concert and my friend had backstage passes. Ever been in that moment? It's really cool. It's really fun because you get to hang out with those that are on the platform. Really cool stuff. And I remember I walked, was walking back behind the stage and one of these big dudes said, hey, where are you going? You're little. You're short. I said, yeah, I know, but I'm with him. I'm with him. And that's the way I, why should I let you in heaven? I'm with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. I gave my heart to him. He died for me. I'm with him. And I know he's returning. So turn in your Bibles now over to Luke chapter 12. We're going to read verses 35 to 48. You ready? You ready? Certain event, but an uncertain time. 
Anybody who claims to tell you, oh yeah, Jesus is coming back on this date, just ignore it. They had too much pizza the night before, something happened. I don't know, they got a screw loose, something's wrong. Nobody knows the day of the hour, only the Father knows the day of the hour. Not even the Son of Man, he said. That was in the natural in that moment. Jesus knows now, but while he was on earth, there was a limited time Jesus didn't even know as he trusted the Father. So Luke chapter 12, he's going to address something very important. So, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for a master return from the wedding feast. And then you will be ready to open the door and let him in in the moment he arrives and knocks. And the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. Isn't that wonderful? And he may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn. But whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this. This is serious. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming... He would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. And Peter asked, don't you love Peter? Impetuous Peter, who's always asking questions, always talking out of turn, always open mouth. He should have been closed mouth and open ears. But he says this, Lord, is that the illustration just for us? Or for, are we going to be tested on this? How important is this? I mean, just... Throws it out there, right? Look how Jesus addresses. And the Lord replied, a faithful, sensible servant is the one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household and servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds the servants has done a good job, there will be a reward. And I tell you the truth. The master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant thinks my master won't be back for a while and he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk? Of course, that would never happen in the OC, right? The master will return and unannounced, unexpected, and will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. And a servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. Truth. Amen? Signs. Jesus gave us some specific signs of his return. Jesus gives some very, very clear window pictures so that we can understand metaphors, which we'll get to in a second. But I just want to address this whole subject biblically because there have been movies, books, articles written, podcasts about the end of the world. How is it going to happen? There's kind of an ed edge on the seat waiting. How is this supposed to happen at the very end of days? And Jesus gave us some signs that we're getting closer. He never gave us a sign. There's not secret messages in the Bible. Be careful when you watch History Channel and they say secret messages of the Bible and you have to dissect the code and get the certain day. And then we have the day that Jesus is coming. It's not going to work like that. He gave us signs of when we're getting closer. I want to go through those with you really quick because if you're a follower of Christ, you got to know this. You got to own this. This is so important for us as believers because this is not our home. I mean, think about eternity. If I shot a cable through this wall and went through the other wall and back around the building and kept going on for eternity, life as we know it, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, is just a scratch on that cable. Scratch is nothing. It's a vapor. It's just short. What really matters is where we're going to be for eternity, right? 
And Jesus addressed, obviously, that issue. By the signs, you will know we are getting closer. Which my personal opinion is, I do believe we are closer than ever before to the second coming, the rapture, which I'm totally excited about just leaping up into the air and Jesus taking us home. All right? Okay, good, good, good. Okay, one of the big ones, wars, violence, law-breaking. And I put the scripture reference here so um, you can get this, Matthew 24, 12. Jesus was very specific about wars and rumors of wars, also in Matthew 24, 6 and 7. Are we seeing wars today? Unfortunately, the Rush, Russian war against the Ukrainian people, and I don't think that's just the end. So then, of course, earthquakes, Matthew 13, 8, famines, drought, Matthew 24, 7, disease and epidemics, Disease and epidemics, right? <clears throat> Revelation 6, 8. The rise of global primacy. Revelation 13, 7. The rise of one world leader. Revelation 19, verses 19 to 20. The gospel, this is interesting to me. The gospel will be preached to all nations. That means everybody will have an opportunity to hear the gospel before Jesus comes. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 says God is a fair God. He is just. So God wouldn't come with the final exam without giving us the study notes. And so every single person will have the study notes. I remember years and years ago, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, thinking to myself as I was reading this text, well, that's going to be a really long time because people just out in the middle of nowhere, we got a lot of work to do. We got to send more missions. With the global pandemic, isn't it interesting that almost every single Bible church is online now? Online goes all the way around the world, everywhere. Even in the middle of the bush, even in the middle of nowhere, they get the internet. And so I believe we are so close to the gospel being shared with every single person. Would you agree? Crisis will strike Jerusalem. That's in Zechariah chapter 14. We've seen little, little things happen, but there's something big that's going to happen. I don't have time to get all this, get all this, but there's something in Daniel that prophesies into Matthew about the possibility of Russia attacking Israel. Just pray on that. That's for future study if you want to look at that. The abomination of desolation in Zechariah 12, that means total destruction of Jerusalem, and Israel will be taken over by idols. That will be the most tragic thing, is the place where Jesus is going to set up his kingdom, his throne. There will be a time that Israel literally will be ransacked by unbelievers, and they will literally set up idols in a place where Jesus established his throne to be. Now, this is so important for us to know that, and just keep that in the back of your mind. I really want to encourage you to open the scripture and get into this, because we got to know where we're going. You already have a ticket If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you know you're going to heaven and you want to do as much as you can to understand the signs of the times because we love people around us and we don't want anyone to be lost. No one. No one left behind, right? We don't want anyone to be lost without Jesus Christ. So what do we do? What do we do? Now Now that I have this information, what do we do? Number one is to accept his grace. If you're here today and you're not sure about, you know what, Mike, I'm tracking with this, but I don't have that assurance that I'm going to heaven. You would believe the stuff that I did in my life that was against God. Well, I just want to say once again, you're in the right place. We all, the Bible says, are sinners. We are all lost. We've all lost our way. We've all missed the mark. We've all missed the mark of the glory of God. None of us is perfect. And the, the, loss, the, the word says if you've broken one part of the law, you broke the whole thing. Now, so what does the gospel mean? The gospel simply means there's a God in heaven who created you. He loves you. He wants relationship with you. He doesn't want to give you religion, rules, tight living, you know, 
just let's grimace on your face, get baptized in vinegar, and just life is wonderful, isn't it? That's, just, that's great to be a Christian, isn't it? No, life, life abundant. I know that I'm not afraid of dying. All those things that he gives us as assurance. When Jesus came and died on the cross and he resurrected from the dead, he showed us that he is God. And he promised that he is returning. And he asked one thing of us, one thing. Surrender your heart, receive me. To all who received him, John 1, 12. To those who believed in his name, he gave the, gave the right to become the sons and daughters of God. Well, let's put this into modern day terms. Because, uh, be honest with you, I wasn't there 2,000 years ago. I didn't see Jesus die. As wonderful as I believe Mel Gibson did to portray the reality of the crucifixion and the last hours of his life, which I think was pretty biblically close to that, I still wasn't there. I don't feel the impact of seeing the Son of God die on a cross. So let's just fast forward the tape for a moment. Let's, let's paint a hypothetical situation. You have a very close friend, and you say, hey, Let's go to the movies, which by the way, that's an escape for me. I love movies. I guess it's because I met my wife at the movie theater. So I just, we love going to movies. So there's some moments I'll just like, it's 10 o'clock at night. I'm going to the, go to the 10.30 show and I got a couple of guys that I can just text. Hey, let's meet down at Regal at Foothill. Get a big buttered thing of popcorn. Big, you know, 32 ounce that so you can refill the whole thing. And just, I just like to sit and take me into that place, you know? So let's say you have a really good friend. Let's go to the movies. Yeah, wasn't that a great movie? Maverick, that was so cool. And we're leaving. We go out and we say grab a cup of coffee at, at Starbucks. And I don't know, it's 10, 11 at night. Go to Starbucks, you come out. You're both walking. Very close friend of yours, you're walking to the car. Something doesn't feel right. There's a couple of guys that come up. Something's not right. One of the guys pulls out a gun and says, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, come on. Give me your wallet, give me your watch, give me everything in it. And you're, of course, you. He's got the gun pointed at you. And you say, of course, man, my life's not worth, you know, $32 and a Target card and a couple of credit cards. Of course, here's my watch. Just take whatever you want. And your first response, of course, is fear, nervousness, some anxiety, just being human, right? And you accidentally drop your wallet on the pavement and your credit cards and Target card goes spilling out everywhere. And now he's really ticked off. The guy's really mad. And he's got his finger pulled on the trigger. And your friend, closest friend sitting here, sees this all happening. He sees this is a real thing. This guy's flexing his fourth finger and he is going to pull that trigger. And right before he does it, he jumps in front of you. He pulls the trigger and your friend gets hit with the bullet and now there's blood everywhere. His friend is laying on the ground. You call 911. The ambulance comes. It's too late. Your friend is gone. These two guys are fishtailing out. They didn't, even, they didn't want to kill somebody. They just wanted some money. Now they're in serious trouble. They fishtail out of there. They're gone. You go to the hospital to confirm, and, and the worst has happened. Your friend didn't make it. What would, be, what would be your first response to your friend who laid down his life, laid down her life for you? It would, exactly, gratitude. It would be, oh my, oh my God. Thank you so much. I can't believe it. I tell you, my second response would be the first thing I would do is go to his wife or go to her husband. And I would tell the story and say, you're not going to believe what happened. I have something to tell you. I don't want to tell you, but I have to tell you this heroic act of your husband, your wife, saved my life. And my third response would be, whatever I can do, my life is indebted to you. My wife and I will take care, take care of your kids, your mortgage, their college, whatever we can do. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your husband, if it wasn't for your wife. That illustration right there is the gospel. That, that's how serious this is. The devil has the trigger pulled on every single one of us because of sin. The reality is, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Jesus gets up before the bullet starts to, before it comes after you, and Jesus takes the bullet. He takes the hit. He dies on the cross. He's laying in the pool of his own blood, but three days later, he is arisen again so that we know that he is alive. We know that he is God. Only God could come back from the dead for after three days. Only God. And the very fact that you have been invited in to receive that act saves you. I I want you to be liberated today. I want you to be free to know you do not have to do one more thing to get salvation. You already got it. And now he wants us to live in such a way that we are preparing for eternity. We are preparing for his coming. If there's anyone here today after hearing Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23, and you honestly say in your heart, you know what, Mike? I don't know for sure. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. You can do that right now. In fact, I just, let's do that right now. I just feel like the Spirit is just calling. Listen, I just want you to bow your head for a moment. If you're here and you want to accept Jesus Christ, and what I just explained is a very factual, real thing, that he loves you, he died for you, he rose again, you can receive him now. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. I give you my heart. I recognize and admit I have sinned against you, God. I repent of that sin. Forgive me, Lord. Set my life on a new course. I receive what you did on the cross. I believe you have risen from the dead, and I believe that you are coming back for my soul. Send the Holy Spirit, that gift that you give me to help me now to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was you today, I want to invite you, after the service is over in just a few minutes, we'll finish this message as quick as we can. There's a special place called Connection Point. We just want to help you in your first steps. It is the best decision you will ever make. Now, for those of us who already have given our lives to Jesus, he gives four metaphors in this Luke chapter 12 text. Dress up spiritually. Keep your lamps burning. Watch for his return like a thief will come. And develop a life of serving others. And that is done not to get salvation. That is going back to the illustration. Your friend died for you. All you do is you say, I just want to, best thing I can do is serve your family. I can take care of you. The only thing I can do in response is, Lord, tell you how much I love you. And now I'm just here to serve you, God. So the one word I want you to take away, what did God speak today? What was the message about? What did God say? Prepare. Prepare for his coming. How do we do that? He gave us four illustrations that are so simple. And before I break those down, I just wanted to say, what if I walked up here every Sunday, or let's just say one Sunday, and I said, you know, I really didn't prepare anything this week, so what do you think? What, what, what should I say? What should I talk about? Would anyone like to come up here and, and just preach the sermon? No, you, when you come, you expect. You expect that Pastor Mike is going to prepare. You expect that Pastor Becky, who's over our family life ministry, has lessons ready for all the children, people to teach those lessons to the kids, snacks, snacks, and more red vines, right? Training people to teach those lessons to our little ones, to have the facilities clean and nice and have first-class stuff, to have communication skills, to let everybody know what's going on. Pastor Zach, who runs our student ministries, it's not just, well, I guess I'll just roll in on Sunday morning. There's so much preparation all week that happens, and he's not doing it all by himself. This is for junior high, high school, and college-age people. Lessons, leaders, did I mention snacks, and more snacks. Studying the word, making sure that our, our, our teenagers are understanding there is truth, 
And like, there's a God in heaven that loves them. They don't have to follow what the world is saying. They don't have to get pressured into what everyone's saying about do this, do that, it's okay, do whatever you want. You can't do whatever you want because there's a God who has so much more for you. He's giving messages like honor your father and mother, do well in school, love people around you. Well, I don't really know. See, we got baseball and football, and we got all these things and track, and we really don't have time for a kid to go to youth ministry. I think when my wife and I had kids, the very first priority was we're going to Wednesday night, we go to Sunday. And can I just say, after making that decision, because I had a good mentor that didn't let us slip out of that, my sons have attended college. They still love the Lord. Thank God they still love the church. And they found their wives at church. Sounds pretty good to me. I don't want, it, I don't want my kids finding some worldly person out there and go, oh my God, what are we going to do now? can't believe they're dating this person. Their whole life has changed because they hooked up with the wrong person. I want them to hook up with God. I want them to hook up with the one that God has set for them, that loves God with all their heart, that's going to encourage them to be a man of God, and they're going to encourage them, you be the best woman of God, and my role now for the rest of my days is to help you live closer to Jesus Christ, who's going to love you and honor you and tell you you're special, you are a woman, a child of God, and I'm here to perpetuate your righteousness in Jesus Christ. That's what I want for them. That's what we want for our kids. It's not magic. There's a preparation for that. Would you agree? And so what about Pastor Robert, who works tirelessly everywhere, to make every, every single day, to make sure that first impressions is so important and done so well here. So we have greeters. Those of you that greet, I want to thank you for what you do. Those that welcome people, make them feel welcome. We don't want them to just come into a building. We want them to know, hey, we are so glad you're here. We want to hear your story, and I want you to be a part of our family. And then that comes with sincerity. That's Pastor Robert's ministry. Gifts for guests who go the extra mile. Uh, directional signs so people know where they're going when they walk their little ones up on Sunday. Pictures on social media say, hey, MVCC is the most wonderful place you got to come. Students and leaders and messages and all that stuff. The main service, there's so much, we don't just, well, let's flip on the lights and flip on the AC and hope the service goes well. It's all week of preparation. AC, chairs, sound, lighting, people to run the sound and lighting, words on the screen, music practice, unity, cameras, message, breath mints, snacks, and more snacks, right? It's all about the prep. Just like I want so much for your life, for you to buy into this. My life is in preparation to meet God. And along the way, God has given wonderful gifts and talents and passions, and he's given us atmosphere, and he's given us so much here in the OC to leverage so somebody might hear about the message of heaven. So, he says, address and be ready. In the old days, in the context of that, literally, they would have to pull up their these sheets that they would wear, they pull them up as tight as they could, they tightened the belt around their waist so that they could move freely, they could run and move freely, especially during wartime. So dress and be ready for the battle that's out there. Dress and be ready for what the enemy try, may try to do to steal, kill, and destroy your life. Second is this, to have your lamps burning. Keep my lamp burning, God. Keep it burning. It's burning within you. You have the Holy Spirit in your life. If you just gave your life to Jesus Christ now, he's already starting a spark that's going to lead to a flame. He's going to consume your whole heart. What he wants you to do is just move in alignment and follow his ways, and he will put that burning in your life. Jesus also said, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. In Matthew 25, he gave an illustration of, remember, 10 bridesmaids. The ones, the five that had their lamps burning got to go in. That means you keep stoking the fire of Jesus Christ in your life. 
Do you remember when Jesus had risen from the dead and the disciples really bummed out because they thought he was gone forever and they were on the road to Emmaus? We don't know exactly how many disciples there were, but Jesus sneaks up behind them and begins to have conversation with them. And they basically said, who are you? Haven't you heard about Jesus risen from the dead, but we haven't seen him yet? And they began to communicate with the living Jesus, the Christ, the son of God, right there on the road to Emmaus. After Jesus left that moment, they realized who they were with. Sometimes we can't recognize God because of the moment, but he's still there. And what Jesus is saying to the disciples there, as they left that moment, they asked themselves, didn't you feel the burning in your heart when he was with us? Come on, give us a church that's burning with God. Give us the Holy Spirit fire. Give us something that the world can't even compare to. In your life, you are so surrendered to Jesus Christ. Your light is on, man. You are shining for Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. The days are short. Jesus is coming back. And I want you to be watchful, man. I want you to be watchful as if there was someone returning to rip you off. I mean, if you knew that there was someone to come and steal all your stuff, wouldn't you be up? Cameras? Shotgun? Just that sound alone, right? You'd be ready, right? Watch. Watch for what? Watch for the enemy. Because he's always looking to steal, kill, and destroy your life. He has nothing, nothing to give you. He has nothing that can be better than anything that Jesus Christ gives you. Don't listen to him. Don't follow him. So the fourth thing is to while we watch, we serve others. This is the fun part. We get to serve people. Because Jesus said, I have come to serve and not be served as the son of man. Jesus was fully human and he was fully God. I'm going to just wrap this up with a quick action point for you. If maybe you just want to take a note here, let's put an illustration of the spokes of a wheel. I believe to prepare, okay, is not just accepting Jesus. That's the first thing that's the most important. You want to make sure you're in. But now, as we are following Jesus, waiting, remember the signs that Jesus gave us? We are getting closer. I want to be absolutely ready. So what do we do? One is, let's start with prayer. I think prayer is one of the biggest ones. I want to develop, I want you to develop, as I want to, to develop a prayer life. And I'll never arrive at where I should be. So I want to get better and better and better, more intimate with God. I want to get better at this. I want to get better at listening to God and not always talking. That's why, I, for me, I have to have a prayer journal. I have to have something where I'm writing it down. I want to encourage you to get with a group of believers and learn and discuss. And as iron sharpens iron, we're doing this together. If your husband or wife, if you're married right now, have a prayer journal together. Talk about what you're writing to God. Talk about what God is speaking to you. If you're a teen and you just think, gosh, all I want to do is get to college. And there's so much in the moment that you have right now. Don't worry about that. Right now you develop and hone in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to teach your children how to have a prayer journal. You want to teach the most valuable thing they can do, whether they come in and take away everything physical. You want them to know that Jesus will always be with you and they can never take away your faith in Jesus. So you want them to be tethered, connected through prayer. Amen? Number two is the study of his word. Man, if there's the second most important thing, if they took away your Bible, would you be able to know those Bible scriptures because you've been in the word? Because you, 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 you wear it in your heart. That's why coming to a life group, study group with other believers, it's not just, well, we kind of just were in a Bible study and it's kind of nice to be there. Man, I got to go in there getting something because who knows what tomorrow's going to bring. It has to be that sense of urgency. Every time we go to our life group, every time we're in a men's group or women's group, because we want to get into the study of the word, I want to learn more about Jesus. I want to get to know him. You know, the one priority 
He already knows you. He wants you to know him. Paul said it this way. I want to know him. Know him personally, intimately. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship, even if I have to suffer for him. And the only way we can stay tethered got to be in the word. That's why it's good every day to read the word. It's good to get in the word every single day. You work out what's best for you. You can Google one year of Bible reading programs. It's wonderful. It's all laid out. Study the word. Think about go Genesis to Revelation in one year. Wouldn't that be great? Number three is this community. And I got to have friends. I got to have some brothers. And, and, And women need to have sisters. Not to judge you and tell you, you will never measure up. You need to have people in your life that can pick you up, dust you off, and say, hey, me too. I've been there. We're going to do this together. I know what it's like. I've fallen before. I'm going to help pick you up. Come on, let's pray. Jesus forgives and he forgets. Let's move on. I need community. We need community. And of course, serving others. Just serving people along the way. People that live next door to you. People that live above you. People that live below you. People you work with. Wherever you might be in life. Life is not just about serving for an hour and 15 minutes here on Sunday. Life is, the whole life is about serving God. Serving people around you. Looking for ways to serve. And when people see service in your life and it comes from here. Oh, I'll go to your church. I'll I'll go to your church on Easter. Because you lived it. And what does that do in light of the context of what Jesus, Jesus wants every single person to be saved. That's why we are so hot on finding people and, and saving people for Jesus' sake at MVCC. I'm not satisfied. I'm glad that you're here, but I'm not just like, cool, we had a Holy Spirit party. So glad you're here. We've arrived. As long as there are seats open, that tells me there's one lost person that is going to miss God's second coming and not be there. And we want to grab as many people as we can up to the rapture, right? You want to grab as many ankles with you as you can. Let's go. Let's go. And the last thing is sharing your faith story. I really think we've lost something like this. I don't know what happened. I can't figure it out. When I first got saved, I remember people were sharing their faith everywhere, telling their faith story. These remember Bible tracks? We go down to the beach, Huntington Beach, and we pass out Bible tracks and say, hey, can I talk to you about something that really means something in my life? I remember a group of six high school guys, we went down and did that. That hardly ever happens anymore. I don't know. I think maybe because, and I'll put some of the blame on us pastors, we've made it a come and see Christianity rather than come and go. There is the come and see. I'm glad for every person that comes, we should still be inviting, and we want everything we do here to reflect the gospel. But I want you to be able to know your story, and I want you to be able to tell your story in a context of someone that's just lost their way. My sister told me her story. She had to tell me six times before I finally got it. And there are people in your life, there's people in your life that are hurting, they're lost. And you have a story to give them. So we ready for the second coming? I want you to be prepared. I want you to think about this. Yes, I'm gonna be prepared. I'm gonna be ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, this time of communion that we have is such an intimate time just between you and Jesus. I just really want you to shut out everything around you. I don't want you to think about where you're going to lunch right now, or I got to go home and mow the lawn. I got to clean my pool. I got things to do this afternoon. I got to stay out of the 100 degree heat. I mean, thinking about all those, I just want you to just come on, hone in. Think about all the preparation that God did, all the thousands of years, all the prophets. All the signs, all the miracles, everything God did to prepare for that moment that Jesus was born into the world.
so we could be saved. And then I want you to think about the nails that went into his hands and feet. As Jesus prepared to come to earth, he's already prepared something wonderful for you. Mansions, a place called heaven forever. But until that time, he's preparing you here to be an agent of change in somebody else's life. I want you to think about just that in the next couple moments. In the seat back in front of you, there's a small communion element of, of uh, a wafer and then some juice that just represents the body of Jesus and the blood that was shed for us so we could be forgiven. And as the music is playing, I just want to encourage you, you know, if you want to close your eyes and just think about the Lord. And God, I just thank you today. You're so good. Thank you for reminding me, God, you are returning the things of this world don't matter so much. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.